We need to have a division in roles and responsibilities between Joe and I, and we also need to identify those roles and responsibilities for our employees so that we can have a single Cardinal Crest experience for our clients, something that's consistent. And so we had to develop these systems and, and it had to start, you know, from the very, very inception from the lead. Welcome to episode 147 of the AFT Construction Podcast. Today we have Joe Christensen and Adam Schaefer with Cardinal Crest KC. And they have an amazing story. We didn't dive a whole lot into their story on this podcast about how they did a feasibility study in, in college about where the best place would be to start a development, start a company, which they had done that research and it was Kansas City. And funnily enough, they partnered up. They started a business out of the recession in Kansas City. And now they've built this incredible company that does residential and commercial there in KC. And we spent a lot of time understanding client conflict, employee conflict, company culture, systems, which they're really big on, and especially partnerships, right? How they make this work. And just a lot of informational builder and company nuggets, right? That we can all apply about communication and how we have that customer service. So without further ado, let's get started. This past May, we had an amazing Contractor Coalition Summit. This was in Nashville with Nick Schiffer from Menace Builders and Morgan Molitor from Construction of Style out of Minnesota. And we are now up for our second round of the Contractor Coalition Summit that'll be in Huntington Beach from Sunday, November 6th through Wednesday, November 9th. Go to ContractorCoalitionSummit.com, sign up, register. We have some amazing partners that'll be there sponsoring the event amazing attendees that have already signed up. It's limited seating. We're only allowing 30 to attend. And again, this will be all things pricing, profitability, contracting, client expectations, scheduling, and of course, marketing and social media. Everything that we wish we knew in our business from the very beginning is all going to be wrapped up into just a couple of days. So we'll see you there in Huntington Beach in November. So welcome to the AFT Construction Podcast. And we have Joe Christensen and Adam Schaefer on with us. Welcome, guys. Hey, how's Thank it going? Thank you so much, Brad. Yeah, excited to have you both on. Joe and Adam are with Cardinal Crest. They're business partners, co-owners, which we're going to have to dive into that because you two have found some magic elixir to make that partnership work. And I've spent enough time with you to see you guys actually do a phenomenal job, um, you know, making the partnership work, which can be a little complex, right? For most people to have a partnership. Amen. It is. It's a second marriage. It is. I mean, like, here's, here's what's amazing about you both. And maybe we'll divert here a little bit is that not only have you started business together, but your wives are friends, your kids are friends, you guys live near each other, you travel together. Like how in the world have you been able to make that work so well? Mm. Gosh, <laughs> you got right into like the personal hardcore stuff. I like it. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I guess I'll go and I'll let Adam think. Uh, yeah. Or maybe as, you, as you're about to go, Joe, maybe I'll say it this way because for, again, I keep diverting here because I have like 5,000 questions for you guys. But when I look at your social media channels, you guys are beyond creative. Like they're so fun to watch, which we'll get into your, into your channels and TikTok stuff later. And you did a video that we're going to spend some time on because it's like one of my favorite videos of all time that I've watched like 40 <laughs> times with Joe hanging his head out the window. It's kind of part Joker from Batman, yeah. but then it's also like <laughs> the, the building craze of now. But so does Adam just do the filming and you do the acting because you'll, you'll flip that too, because I know that sometimes Adam does the acting and you're doing the filming. So maybe that's why the partnership's so good. You know, we met in college. We were both at BYU and we were friends first and then uh, ended up being business partners. 
And I think really like the way, the reason this business part, partnership has worked so well, I mean, there's a lot of dynamic things that we could talk about, but I think it really did help that it was such a struggle at the beginning and nobody really kind of like, nobody really believed we could do it. And so we had to rely a lot on each other. And so like, I, I think partnerships are, 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 are difficult. I still think, you know, Adam and I are, strong personalities that have totally different opinions and uh the employees totally joke that mom and dad do fight at the office <laughs> want to know like you know and i i think that's just part of it i think a lot of it is the it you know i know we're going to touch on some of this stuff and i know we had talked about it prior it's just uh, conflict resolution is in every part of business in general and it's okay like conflict is okay and it's actually good and I think Adam and I have kind of left that like, it's totally okay for me to disagree with Adam. It's okay for me to be like, I, I, I disagree. But if it's part of his, you know, what he handles in the at, at work and it's under his, like, you know, we kind of have our own responsibilities. And, and if I disagree with what he's uh, doing, I, I can voice that. But at the end, I know it's his, that's, that's his thing. And I have trust in him that he's over that you know, those responsibilities. And actually we learned that early on. I'm back. Let me back up a little bit. I don't know if you remember this, Adam, like, I think it was like our first couple jobs. We like, we had like a, a kind of our first big fight and it was because we were managing the same job and we were both arguing about the different ways you can get it done. And I think we both decided then it was like, you know what, there's lots of ways to do this. And there's, there, there's lots of right ways to do this. And uh, if this is your job, I trust you that you can get it done. And if this is your job, I trust that you can get it done. We'll talk about the overarching macro things, but the micro things you can do. And I feel like uh, a lot of times we might have different opinions, but I think we both trust each other enough that, hey, if that's your MO and that's your responsibility and you're over this section of pre-con, like Adam does all the pre-construction, I, I might you know, hear something or do something, have an opinion about something, but I just trust Adam that, Hey, in the end, that's his baby and he's my business partner. I have to have trust with him. Yeah. And I think Joe like hit it on the head um, just in his closing uh, remarks there when, when he said the word trust, you know, um, Joe and I, we, we have a, a level of transparency between each other, which is like a hundred percent transparent. Um, we don't keep anything from each other. We can all see the bank. We can both see the bank accounts. Um, we both, um, we, we, we develop that trust by under, understanding each other's strengths and weaknesses. And, and, and that has taken time to, to understand uh, those things. But I feel like um, because we understand each other's strengths and weaknesses, we are able to trust each other more fully. Um, the... Uh, and, and and it's it goes you know with Joe and I specifically right it goes like way uh, beyond just this business setting that that you know this podcast you know it's so hyper focused on this but you had touched on it Brad like Joe and I we do a lot together and and it and it so it is more than just this business and it is a a true friendship and like I'm going to use the L word I know in this business we don't really use it but we love each other we love each other. Um, we are, we are family. And so, you know, uh, having that trust, knowing that, Hey, 
You know, I know if I'm sinking, Joe's sinking with me. If if I'm succeeding, Joe's succeeding with me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna you know share that that same support uh, for him. If he's sinking, I'm gonna sink down with him, and and, and if he's succeeding, I'm gonna see, succeed with him. It's interesting because I mean, just speaking about the partnership, I mean, there are some key words. I mean, that you both said. You know, you were talking about trust, right? You talked about client. Or I should say, climbing conflicts, right? Conflict resolution, you know, communication, transparency, right? Those are all the keywords, right? This is what's going to make your business work, your relationship work, well beyond just Cardinal Crest, right? Well beyond everything that you're going in. And I think what's really unique because I know a little bit about your story because we've built a, a friendship and you're part of our Builder Twenty group and um, we've known each other for a while. Is that, I mean, you guys built this like in the hardest time in the recession. You, you know, you do. Wait, wait, I'm not going to spill the beans. We're going to get into that in a second. But going back to the, uh, you know, the conflict resolution, I think this uh, is a really important topic that I've never spent much time on here on the podcast. Is how do you deal with conflict? How do you deal with that? How do you resolve those conflicts that come up? Because it's innate, right? This is going to happen on a daily basis with trade partners, suppliers, clients, vendors, employees, partnerships, as you guys are speaking about. You know how and 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 you mentioned this, Joe. That's not a bad thing. It's not bad to have conflicts. It's just how do you get through it? And and I'll just share one quick story. I mean, there's a, there's a friendship I have with a gentleman, and he's a developer. And the funny thing is, is that he and I early on we had I don't want to say falling out, but a, a difference of opinion on something, right? And we worked through that, and ended up becoming the best of friends from that. In fact, he set me with my wife. So you think about just how that that pendulum came around, right? That you know, that conflict resolution. So how have you guys either sought after how to resolve conflict or, you know, kind of what's your secret to success there? I think, well, unfortunately, I don't think there's any way to get good at conflict resolution without <laughs> just doing a ton of it. And I hate, I, so I, I think we've all been through this. You know, if you're a contractor, you deal with it all the time, especially this this last year. And the worst part about conflict resolution is typically the leading up to the conflict. So like, let's say we get an email. It's on Friday and it's like owner's pissed. He's just like, blah, blah, blah. You can, just like, you can imagine how hard he was hitting on the keyboard. He was just like, I went to the site. Nobody's there. The subs are managing everything. Everything's wrong. You guys aren't doing anything. What am I paying you for? Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, like, uh, it, uh, you know, change order. This is over price behind schedule. And then there's two dates. There's Saturday and Sunday. And typically, those are going to be the worst two days of your life because you're thinking about all the possible bad things that are going to go wrong. And it's human nature to complete that story in one way or the other. You can complete it in a worst case scenario, the best case scenario or somewhere where it's probably going to be where somewhere it's in the middle. And I think what I have tried to do, it doesn't always work, but with me with conflict, one, I, I, I don't, I don't run away from it. When somebody texts me an issue, typically my first response is, can I call them right now? Because if I don't let it fester in my mind, it actually, I can call it and it could squash it almost immediately. And it ends up being like, Oh no, I was, you know, mine sounded like a rude text, but the guy, I call him and the owner would be like, oh no, I was just like in a rush. So I just said, hey, what's up, man? Why are you doing? And it sounded rude because of maybe my personality was reading it that way, but it really wasn't rude. And then the other thing is like, I think you could, 
I, I don't do this all the time, so I can't, I'm not going to act like I'm the guru of conflict resolution because Adam will call me out and be like, well, Joe, that one time yesterday or two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> but I try to always think of like, like we, we tend to think about the conflict part and not focus on the resolution and go, okay, like this sucks. We've got to raise the price on this client, $50,000 because of lumber. And they are so pissed because we're so behind schedule. So the resolution is going to be that they have restored confidence in us, that we're going to set the uh, expectations, you know, where they sh should be and, and really help them understand there's not much we can do about these certain items besides increased communication of the same thing we're going to be doing every day. So I, I think a focus on, on the resolution is one of the hardest, but the also it makes it easier as you do that. And you, it, it, it's when it festers. And I think that goes back to our partnership. If we, if we have problems with Adam and I's partnership, if it festers, that's usually like when it like erodes out and all of a sudden we have a blow up and we're like, bro, I didn't know you were even thinking about that. It's because we let something fester and it became something that it wasn't. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, since Joe beautifully covered that topic. Um, <laughs> You're answering the next one first. That's how it's He has going. beautiful <laughs> hair and he beautifully covered the topic. Bro, I know. Gosh. No, I, I mean, like, you know, how do we, how do we deal with conflict, right? Like, um, I, I agree with Joe and everything that he said. Um, it seems our industry right now, the majority of conflicts are stemming from pricing, uh, delays in schedule, and I would say managing expectations. And I feel like, uh, you know, the origin uh, or the solution to um, dealing with conflicts is quality and continuous communication. Um, I, I think the number, like one of the number one faults within our industry are, and, and, and I do see a paradigm shift, shift happening, but we all know, uh, uh, or we've all heard horror stories of the typical contractor that's always right. And whatever he says is that's how it's going to be. And there's no other way to do it. And he's not a very nice person, right? So I, I think dealing with conflict, it, it, it goes back to uh, cultivating a, a good relationship with your clients, being open and honest with your clients, admitting fault. Um, when it's necessary, mm. you know, I, it's a good topic I right think, there uh, to even dive mm -hmm. into because that's hard because you worry about <laughs> yeah, the liability that's of that. Very difficult. But thing. I think that's a good, like, there is liability with that. But or even, even if there's not that. even liability by admitting fault, sometimes you're like, you, you want to be the expert. That's the reason they're hiring Cardinal Crest or AFT. And so totally. maybe letting your guard down saying, well, this is our fault makes it seem right. like, are we not professional of a company? Like, how could we let this happen? But I think it's true. I think it, it, it opens some vulnerability up. I think we've done that. Like, I, I don't mean to, I totally am just trampling over Adam here, but like, I just, we just had a, <laughs> yeah, I had a few had a, more things to say, but whatever. I, we just had a meeting about this and I was telling them, I was telling the clients, I was like, listen, like I, yeah, we're at fault for not knowing how to communicate in this strange environment we're in right now, where we're doing so many things behind the curtain. And typically right now the owner's telling me, I want to know all those things. Cause I, I go to the site and nothing's happening day after day out. And they're like, well, I, and you know, we're, we're trying to tell them, well, things are happening behind the curtain. 
And they're like, well, we want to know those things. And I, and I totally apologized. I said, listen, I can do that, but that's a new way. That's a, and, and, I, and I'm sorry, I haven't done that. And, I, and, and I'm learning how to do that, but that's, I'm, I'm, I'm at fault for not doing that because it's a really new way of building to say the client wants to know when, you know, blah, blah, blah happened. Sorry, Adam. No, totally. Uh, and, and that's actually another thing that we can talk about. Um, but real quick, I, I wanted to uh, just say uh, far too often, you know, to Brad's point where we are the professionals, this person hired me to, to complete a, a task or to build their, their dream home. And so as that professional, far too often, um, we, when we are uh, listening to our clients, right, we are simply listening to respond because I'm the professional, I have the answers, I know what's up. But more often, um, we, we need to listen to understand. You know, as we understand our clients and their needs, like we will have less conflict um, th throughout the process. So listen to understand, not to respond. I think that's something we could all learn. It, um, it's and interesting. to Joe's point. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Go. No, go ahead, Adam. Uh, no, so I, I always thought it'd be an interesting question to ask clients early on, right? When, when you're at that point of, um, you know, signing contracts or making that decision, if they want to move forward with Cardinal Crest or AFT, you know, asking that simple question, how do you communicate? How would you like us to communicate to you? Do you like it when we are, are, are blunt? Would you rather have all the information? Do you want to know the imperfections that are happening on your project? Would you like to not know? You know, maybe having, I'm sure there's some key questions that we could ask our clients uh, that would help, that would benefit the relationship and help that communication and hopefully in turn have less conflict throughout the process. Well, it's interesting as an interviewer, you know, I had the cheat sheet, right? You know, even as I come in with the guests and I kind of have like a format of questions for them, you know, when I was thinking about conflict resolution, just personally, you know, how I'd answer that is funny. I'd, I already had some pre-notes, you know, it's like, Setting expectations, which you guys both talked about. That's a big part of it. You know, understanding, you know, job knowledge. And Joe, Joe mentioned this too, that like the more practice you have at it, or at least the more understanding and knowledge of the situation, the more prepared you are to either find a solution or at least work through that communica communication process, right? And then um, you guys had talked about nipping in the bed, nipping it in the bud, right? Admitting fault if needed. And um and really not making it personal, like it was interesting. So my mentor, you know, passed just recently and I spoke at his funeral. And um, one of my most notable experiences I had that I shared, you know, when I was um, speaking is that early on in our career, there was an issue with an employee, like, and it was a pretty severe issue. Um, and in the past, a lot of management styles, you know, I've seen it maybe not get personal, but very direct, you know, very, this is, you know, this is cut and dry, you know, here we go. And what I saw is that he had a very different approach. He came in and it was just like, how are you doing? How's your family? You know, it was very let your guard down, right? Coming into this very tentious situation. And it never became personal. It was beyond professional. Like he handled it. Like I, I, I couldn't believe just the, the way he, he communicated through this process. And then, you know, moving forward as I worked through, you know, just different business complications and stuff. And I'd see him take that same approach. And so what I realized is that a lot of times we come into, or at least I've been this way where maybe I'm defensive or my team's defense, I'm made with the vendor or supplier or client. But if you come in, not looking to pick a fight, just say, hey, here's where we're at, right? And I can speak to this now. I had a client, I was just out of town with the family and we had an issue come up and he was super distraught about this. Like 
how could this ca- happen this way? Or how do you, Brad, like, how is this possible that we're at this point? And you know, me as a builder, I know, well, there's about a million things in your house. So it's easy to oversee this one thing that, in my opinion, we addressed at pre-construction, but it wasn't addressed, but that's okay. We're here, right? But it's really understanding, hey, you know, hey, client, if this is like our biggest issue, this is pro- no, not a problem. Like, we're going to work through this. Here's a solution. We can do X, Y, and Z. We'll work around this. Don't worry. You know, this is not going to affect timeline or anything. And so it just comes with, you know, it's confidence and experience, as you mentioned. But the biggest thing is, you know, the more that we could set clear expectations, the more that we don't have an ax to grind, don't make it personal, you know, and just come in and communicate through it. I mean, I think there's, you know, this is definitely a learned trait that has to be practiced and practiced, you know, because we're dealing with it every day. You know, I think you bring up another thing is, is having like, like putting yourself, having empathy with the client and being mm-hmm. like, okay, you, and you just said it like, hey, this is no big deal. And to your world, it's like a minor step, but, it, but to them, it's like, oh my gosh. The world's forgot. crashing down. <laughs> yes. And, and it's so, I, I think that's the hard, the, the thin line between not taking it personal, but then look, because you, you can't take it personal and you don't want to get emotional. You always want to be the adult in the room. You want to be, you know, the cool, calm and collective. So you just take it in because nobody's ever going to be mad at you in six weeks and say, man, you were so cool in that meeting. Like you didn't yell. <laughs> you were just like so calm. Like, you know, they're never going to be mad about that. But it's hard not to be like, because sometimes I want to shut off my emotion. Just be like, this is how it is. But it's a fine line with clients because they want to see your, they want to see that you understand that it's hard. And when you have 10, you know, price changing meetings in a, in a week and you're like, okay, I got to do this again. I got to get in their shoes. I got to, they got to see that I'm upset with them. And I, it's a big deal to me that it's, it's, it's their house and it's personal and it, it's hard. It's a fine line because they, you've got to show that that personality that's why they hire a custom builder they like you too you know it's not just you know they 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 like the brand and everything but they're hiring you know uh, you as people and i often say that to people in my sales meeting i say listen like i say what uh, there's a line i like to kind of often say and i uh, i go something like um you know any builder who says they're not going to be uh you know, conflict or that we're not going to be upset at uh, your builder is lying to you, right? We're all, it's something that's going to happen that's going to be upsetting because it's too complicated. But the big difference is, is do you like the guy who's talking to you right now? And do you feel like you can get along with me? And that when you have problems, I'm approachable or am I scary? And am I not trustworthy? And I, so I kind of get into the, and because it's the truth, like we're going to have issues. And the question is how we're going to approach them and then we're going to create the environment that's not hostile where we can have creative solutions. Because as soon as people retreat in their corners and litigation might start or lawyers might get involved or we're starting to study the contract to see what the words are, that's when creative solutions are out the door. It's over <laughs> at that point. So do you yeah. find it more difficult right now? I mean, do you guys deal, you know, at this point in, in your interpretation, is it more conflict resolution? Are we doing it more with suppliers, with subcontractors, employees, clients, a little bit of all of them? <laughs> like, what's your biggest pain point? I mean, right now, and, and maybe I teed up this way because what's funny is, so in, for all of you, we're going to share their social media and you need to go follow Cardinal Crest because they're, they're incredibly um, creative with their videos. And there's one <laughs> where Joe has his head out the car his, and he's talking about how, how hard he thought it was to build a home like in 2018 or 2019. Little did he know how hard it is to build a home in 2022, which we can all relate to. So 
Um, with that said, I mean, where is that biggest pain point right now for, for conflict? So like the way I see it, 20, okay. So we started the company pretty much, let's just call it 2011, uh, 2010, right in that time frame. Between 2010 and 2019, the frequency of a client blowout or the, uh, uh, the need to sit down and have a good conversation uh, about setting <laughs> expectations with a client was maybe one time per job, you know, one time. Now, fast forward, you know, 2020, 2021, 2022, the frequency of these conversations, it's, it's once a month on some projects. It's once every three months. And so I think that is the most difficult uh, part of this client conflict um, because it's happening so frequent from, you know, suppliers changing pricing without giving any notification to delays from labor not being able to perform work when they say they're going to be able to. And so, and then that just stems into us. It is so hard to manage expectations. You know, when we receive pricing, when we receive uh, confirmation from our subcontractors on the plan, this is the plan of action moving forward. And then in one day, it seems like in 24 hours, that plan just went right out the door and you're like, okay, back to square one. Let's, let's have this conversation again and let's set some new expectations for our clients. Um, the frequency is what is so difficult. And, you know, I'm the one that's filming that video of Joe and I'm in the <laughs> front seat with a friggin' selfie stick, hand out the window driving and I'm just laughing my head off filming joe because in my mind i'm thinking how many people are watching us film this down the street <laughs> and we're, we're we did it in a neighborhood that we build in and so it, it was just kind of really really funny but so let me ask you this because because the frequency is important but I, I think to give context i mean everyone listening has to have a little understanding of your business because your business is very unique uh you know you as we mentioned you come out of school why don't you tell us this you know just from the feasibility study to reality, but not only that, without spending too much time on the organization aspect, but how the company's evolved to now commercial, residential, and that you also do your own building and so set pricing is something that's important in your marketing for you, which is extremely difficult to achieve and optimize right now. So how have you worked around that, especially with the complexity of the different arms that you have? Yeah, so like you 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 kind of touch on it. What What makes our our business itself unique to Kansas city and, and to other custom home builders is that we're, we've taken in all architecture on the custom homes, all interior design and all the management of the build. And so now we have three different scopes in just a custom build. And we've done that because honestly, the biggest problem was, is that one, we didn't, um, we didn't feel like there was architectural at the time, we, 10, 12 years ago, that there was an architectural staffing or, or firm that could achieve what we wanted to achieve. And plus, we were new to Kansas City. And so we relocated to Kansas City. So, and Adam and I really liked architecture. And we drew the first 60 homes ourselves and still do, you know, draft some of those homes. But, uh, and so Adam and I just were really in the weeds of the design, the interior design. And so kind of grew organically from there. It wasn't that we didn't want to work with architectural firms. It's just that we were new to Kansas City. We love drafting. We love the interior design. 
And so we just started doing it ourselves when we only had a couple clients, it was easy. And then as we got more and more clients, we realized how hard it was to do all three of those things and try to scale. And so we just kind of organically kept hiring people to handle those three things. But like you said, it, what the problem about handling all three of those things in just the custom home is that you're taking on uh, that much more risk in pricing when you now are taking on the responsibility and exposure of design. When your design's wrong, it's hard to then go back and say, well, you know, when you're having an site architect and there's a change and something wasn't bid on the plans because it wasn't on the plans, it's a little easier to push that off to the architect and say, hey, this is a change order. It wasn't shown on the plans. Well, you know, we could do that internally. The production guys can totally say, yeah, this wasn't on the plans, but we're going to say, oh, crap, we didn't put it on the plans so we have to put it on there. So uh, I think that's where, um, as we grew organically, the pre-construction team kind of kept on growing and refining its, its tools. And that's why I know you do a, a huge pre-construction effort as well you know our pre-construction process is seven to eight months and it's because now we're taking upon that scope and i know you manage those two scopes beyond building and we have it we just have it in-house we still have to manage it and we have to do it right and the, and the pricing of it is it, it takes a long time to get it right to then turn it out the door and say okay let's produce this thing um but it's it's often it's it's a cat and mouse game designing and trying to get their budget right to then actual uh, budgeting. And uh, actually you kind of touched on it. Uh, some of the, I'll say this briefly, moving to commercial and having a commercial arm, which is completely separate, has helped us in the way we do look at certain things. Like I know when we were designing, when, when Adam and the pre-construction teams first doing architecture, we have an SD budget, schematic design, and they, and they go to in schematic estimate. And then as it gets further down the road and, you know, develop design or DD drawings and construction document drawings, the, the, the budget gets tighter and tighter. As we get more details, it gets tighter. And, you know, I often talk to clients about like a pricing funnel has like, you know, we get more scopes defined, the budget gets tighter and we can get more of a closer range to what the house will be but you know it's it's been an organic process from adam and i doing everything to then creating teams to do it with us so do you have like escalation clauses or you know especially as you're managing the whole gamut there how does that protect yourself especially on pre-sales yeah we we, we do about that Because you're going to have to answer this too, Adam, because even if you have escalation clauses, yeah, it's great. You know, you're protected. <laughs> Clients still don't, like, no. as you mentioned, go back to conflict resolution. They don't care. They don't, they they don't, don't read that, that clause. Don't. They don't even know yeah. what it means <laughs> until we pull it out and say, guess what? 80K, here it is. And they're like, oh, that's what that means. <laughs> We've had one client yeah. who actually knew what it meant and they didn't sign the contract because of that one clause. Wow. Yeah, um, definitely there are escalation clauses, and and I guess uh, I guess where where I'm going with this is but we we've just have to un, we have had to learn that we need to be just even more transparent with our contracts. You know, it's it's not it. Hey, that that paragraph is there, and that's awesome. But let's go above and beyond, and let's put uh, let's put real values. You know, Brad, you, you've got a lot of you know the majority of your clients. 
contracts are cost plus and and ours the majority of ours are, are fixed price um, but what we've done to to help uh, our clients understand uh, escalation and and whatnot is we've identified you know the areas of construction that have the most volatility and, and we've been super transparent with our clients this is the amount of money that we have allocated for x line item structural steel and we're that is an allowance you know it, it's it's a structural allowance is what we call it here is the dollar amount we have allocated towards framing material and and the beauty of that is when there are these internal wins on those specific line items the company the customer benefits from that and we can show that to them we show them the invoices for those allowances that we've identified but then when there are overages you know we we set the contracts up so it is very very transparent and our clients can see you know this was the overage and here's the invoices for that um, i think it's so an interesting topic that we've been yeah i i love that you share that adam because it doesn't matter if your cost plus or fixed up and, and and what i'm getting at is that you know it's really easy in the contract let's just say hypothetically on cost plus well it's cost plus so whatever it is it is right or on fixed price well yeah it's fixed price but we have this escalation clause to counterbalance that right but as you mentioned there's still like communication right there's still a relationship here that we can't just um you know not all our clients are experts in this industry it's no different than us you know staying at a hotel or resort or signing a contract for rock climbing or whatever you know are they going to are we reading right. all the fine print? I don't know. I mean, what is that? You know, until most of us aren't, you know, we're trusting the entity there. And so what it comes down to, is, as you mentioned, is that plus minus. I think that's really fair in the sense that we've done the same thing that we've realized, hey, we keep getting bit on the same thing where we're not so much missing the mark, but there's, there's some items in the bid that are just moving all the time. So when we do our bid process, we're going to highlight those, hey, here's X, Y, Z, right? These, you know, lumber, steel, concrete whatever it may be that could fluctuate depending on time. Because for us, you know, on a hillside build, I may be building your house for a year before I even order lumber. So who knows in a year from now where it's at, but that transparency is key. That communication is key to just walk them through and say, here's what this means, right? That we can protect you as much as we can. There's some, you know, we can lock in plumbing fixtures and appliances and some of these things now, you know, some of the tile and slabs and other things, but we're open-ended here because I can't order it. I have nowhere to store it, right? And and to your point, Adam, that you're saying is that it, this is what I think is a really unique strategy as a as a fixed builder or where someone's buying a pre-sale said, hey, we're going to let them benefit if there's a minus two. So being transparent now creates that open dialogue that, hey, here's where we're at for these few line items that we don't have much control over. And if it comes down, it's in your favor. If it goes up, but here we go. And I think that's really key because you may have the escalation clause in there, but pointing out what that clause means to them and how the impact would definitely help that conflict resolution later down the road. Yeah. And I mean, right now, like it's, it's super easy to talk about all this stuff because these are all things that we've yeah. learned within the past six, eight months. But keep in mind, we signed a lot of these contracts. Years <laughs> I ago. know. And I so, know. you know, if, if we do have some clients listening to this, they, they, will, <laughs> they will know that Cardinal Crest is striving to be better. You know, and, and I think that is, that is, uh, I love that. I love that where, caveat, but <laughs> I, I think, uh, as, as you know, from a, a builder mindset, you know, just to that point, I hope that that is always our goal. You know, we can always do better, you know, there's systems and processes within all of our businesses and we 
develop these beautiful systems and these beautiful processes uh, so that we can gauge our imperfection, right? If, if I don't have a system for X, Y, Z, if I don't have a process for X, Y, Z, I don't know what the heck is happening if things are going wrong. I might have an idea, but I won't know. So, you know, as we're developing these systems and processes, I hope that as builders, we're always open to the idea that I may need to pivot and I may need to change this beautiful process that took me three years to develop or whatever. <laughs> but what, what I've understood is that's my issue. You know, it is this particular part within this particular process that I need to change. So, you know, hopefully we all have that mindset where we can continue to do better and be better always. Well, and I think like even, even at a, this whole fiasco of the last two years, you know, uh, Adam and I uh, developed something. It, it was something we always talked about, but now we we didn't develop a slogan and a PDF and a fancy way to say it. But it, it totally works. The this we call it our daily CCP, and it's a uh, count cal- contact calendar plan. I said it that backwards, I think. But and with that, it's so simple. But what we decided to do is that you know I use it as the analogy of eating at a restaurant. And there's a difference if you have to grab your waiter and say something. And there's a difference if your waiter comes in and grabs you and says, how's the meal? You want to refill? You want this? You want this? It was a proactive approach. And Adam and I were talking one night as we were getting off probably a meeting of conflict resolution with something. And we, we kind of came up to that. We we're like, gosh, we need to be, we need to be more proactive. That's the problem is that our clients aren't feeling like, yeah, our, our, our production man, our, our team, which is amazing, they do a great job. At times, they would be like, well, I just talked to that homeowner like three times. And then he texts you know, me uh, and says, your PMs aren't talking to me. And I was trying to like, understand that, like, what's going on? And then it came, it came to a realization that we're not being proactive enough. And so part of the CCP was a weekly proactive scheduled phone call. Now this is beyond the scheduled meetings that we have. We have these scheduled milestones, these daily logs that we're gonna do, but a proactive, we have to have this phone call and it's gonna be no more than 20 minutes. At a most, maybe 30 if, if there's we get in the weeds of things, but it's gonna be short and I'm gonna call you and we're gonna be proactive about this. And it's amazing the moment we started that within a week's time, I got texts from every client. I don't know what's going on with Cardinal Crest, but I'm loving the change. I'm loving <laughs> it. And it was like all of a sudden, uh, this they they felt like, uh, and and they you know, they probably were talking. And I know it for a fact. They were already talking to RPMs just as much. There was no difference besides a planned, proactive approach to communication. And you know, I I look back and I'm like, gosh. At all the suckiness that has happened over the last year, if, if, you know, a lot of times when you get squeezed, that's when creative solutions come about. And it's one thing that I think I look, I'm, I, I know we'll look back in a year or two and be like, you know, during those times, I mean, we're going to take that and I use it forever. It's been awesome. And it, it really came about from all this, you know, mess that we're dealing with. 
This episode is brought to you by Pella Windows. When it comes to building homes at AFT, almost every project has Pella Windows. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers, because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. Their they're company culture, their integrity, their honesty, you know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So for anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. For those of you that have listened to the podcast, you know how big of a fan we are of Build a Trend and that we have used this software for the last four years. And many of the guests that we've brought on the podcast are also Build a Trend users. And in this day and age, with as busy as all of us are in construction, as complicated as it is with escalation pricing, lead times, tracking, organization, all of us need a good project management software to help simplify and organize our business. And there are a couple features that we love a ton about Build-A-Trend. And one is the owner portal. The other is the daily logs. And these are features that we use daily, right? Half of my clients are out of state. And as an owner, it is so imperative how we communicate with our clients, with our team, with our customers. And through Build-A-Trend, this allows us that quick connection. They can check at any time. We can communicate with them. We're up to date. This has actually helped us win jobs, win projects because of that organization, especially at pre-construction. And Build-A-Trend also offers a ton of service on the back end, training and understanding and workshops You know, to help us use our software effectively. They also have the podcast, The Building Code. To learn more, head to buildertrend.com backslash AFT to get a 60-day money-back guarantee on your Build-A-Trend account. That's 60 days to make sure you love this product with no pressure, and I know you will. Okay, so before I, before I ask you this question about the proactive approach, this is what I love about the podcast. To be honest, people always they say, Brad, why do you do a podcast? I'm like, well, every time I interview somebody, there's like a nugget, right, that they always share. And I'm like, oh, that's genius. Like, I can apply that or do that right in my own life or my business. And what's funny is you talked about just that example. All of us have been to a restaurant, and when you said this, like a light clicked, right? That waiter that you're like, oh, I need a drink. You know, you're like waving them down. But if they just check in, you may not need nothing, but if they're coming by and checking by, then you're like, okay, I'm good if I need some, but you know, how can we do that as builders? And so what does that mean for you when you talk about the proactive approach for your team? Is there something specific that they're doing that they weren't doing before? You know, you said they were communicating, but now it's different. So like, what was that transformation? I mean, the, the big one is a, a, a planned uh, phone call. No matter what, that phone call is happening. It's, it's, it's once a week phone call. And it's, it's beyond with the client, with the client, it's beyond this little piddly phone calls that happen in between. It's, this is the planned phone call and we're having it to download everything. And that phone call, we look, we, they talk about change orders. They talk about potential change orders. We talk about schedule and it's brief. So 
what what the important part is it's not too long. It's not going to be an hour meeting. And if it's an hour meeting, then it needs to be a meeting. But this one's brief, a check-in to kind of to, to not be a reactive phone call, right? Because there's tons of those. There's tons of, hey, I was at the site, uh, Joe, and I saw nobody's there. Hey, uh, you, hey, homeowner, um, we're doing painting and we just want to confirm that your wall, walls are all pure white. You know, we had talked about it, maybe something else. Like that doesn't count. Those kind of little piddly phone calls or communications, one that's like, hey, we're checking in. We're seeing how things are going with you this week. We're, we're seeing about the progress and we're going to, we're talking about how we're doing on our schedule, our budget, our change orders, our, our communication. And I mean, it, it's been, I, I think it's, it's done a lot. It's changed a lot. We're still, so I think like the, the biggest change is like, you know, our, uh, you know, our production team, they, they, they're constantly communicating with the homeowners. And so in their minds, you know, if, if we just say, hey, guys, communicate with the homeowners, they'll say <laughs> yes. But if the majority of the communication with the homeowner is a homeowner initiating the conversation, you know, and, and our, our guys understanding that as, dude, I've done, I've done my job. I talked talk to, to them three times today. I talked to them. <laughs> I, I look at my text messages, but the, the clear defining, you know, moment for that was, hey, this is a Cardinal Crest once a week initiated phone call where we are going to discuss X, Y, and Z kind of thing. Um, but, but that was kind of one of those things is developing this system, uh, being uh, very specific and clear on, on what the expectation is. But I think uh, something else that is really important to touch on, you know, not only this CCP idea, right? This isn't something that only gets discussed uh, internally in Cardinal Crest. This is a system, this is a process that we share this with our clients. All of our clients know about this idea of CCP. We are very transparent with them. And, and I hope that as builders, you know, there, there are builders with a wealth of knowledge that have amazing systems and processes. They need to share those systems and those processes with their clients. I hope that those are selling points for, for builders. Um, and they don't try and keep that, oh, this is, this is unique to me. And if I share it with a client, they might share it with another builder or what, whatever the, the idea might be, you know, in this market in today's age where, where, uh, you know, you'd never want to be in the situation where you are being decided uh, on price, right? If, if a client is saying, Hey, I'm going to go with this builder or this builder and, and, and it's price oriented, you, you don't want that share systems, share the processes with your potential and future clients, because then that price, that won't be the deciding factor. It'll be this guy's professional. This guy knows, you know, how to deal with conflict. This guy knows how to deal with communication because he's mapped out this plan for me and set that appropriate expectation for me. And, and you'll get more sales. So it's interesting hearing both of you speak. I mean, again, what's amazing is you said, and I, as you're sharing the story, I'm like, this sounds like conversations I've had with my team. My team's amazing, so I'm not trying to throw them on a bus by any means. But it's that learning process, right? We were like, hey, we need to have more interaction with our clients. And they're like, I am. But it's, you know, <laughs> it's the client asking them, and it goes back to the same thing. It's like, you know, and this is why we started the weekly videos every Friday, right? That we can get in front of the customer and give them the look aheads. And 
um, it, it's, it's just been a really engaging experience because now we have the architect and designer involved on this group text. And so we have this weekly communication with the entire design team and our clients, and they all get to be aware of what's happening, right? So it makes that process really important. But I know you two are really big on processes. You're really big on systems, especially being that you have this very hybrid company, a lot of employees, you know, in the Kansas City area, you're doing commercial, you're doing residential. And so you have a lot of different product lines. You know, what are some of those systems, you know, how has that evolved since day one when it's Adam and Joe and you're trying to figure out your role fighting over how to build a house to here you are now <laughs> with actual employees, your training and systems, you know, what are you using? How have you like continued to modify, you know, that process? Oh, Adam is the, the he is, I, I'm going to kind of pitch it to him and, and speak kindly of, uh, and of what he does. Adam is a really good like implementer in that sense. Like I, I feel like I am the dreamer in this uh, partnership. I'll, I'll be like, dude, Adam, we can do it. We can take over. I mean, I'm like, I don't feel like I, I, I can often like, oh, underestimate the challenge of everything I want to do in my life. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, we could do it. Sure. And then Adam will, I'll tell Adam, he's like, what the heck did you just promise? Like, what do you think we could do? But what Adam is good at is he's good at going back to the tool shed and being like, okay, how are we going to do that? And this is, you know, this is what happened. Joe promised this, it all fell apart. And this is how we're going to do it now. And so uh, Adam has done a really good job. I think a lot of the way he's organized the systems in, is in different types of flow charts. And he is really good at making types of flow charts of like how the pre-construction works, how the production works and ties back to the pre-construction, how the selection process works and, and, and what people are involved in the selection process. Um, if I could like show you right now all the different he you would be, and not only that, but Adam is really good at beautifying this stuff. He's if you know InDesign, he know he works on InDesign, which is Adobe product. Yeah, it's a great product. Like designers use it, you know. Yeah, Adam will stay up at night and he'll shoot me this uh, this flowchart at two a.m. and I'm up, you know, dreaming about some stupid thing and watching TV, <laughs> and I look, I look, I'm like, what the heck? And so he, he's. I'm gonna let Adam talk about it, but I just had to, you know, prop him up on this pedestal first. <laughs> He's the one that does a lot uh, of the system. Well, I, I agree with everything that Joe said. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Not at all. Um, okay, so you you brought up something interesting, Brad, early on, right? Like Joe and I were a partnership. Uh, we can do this. Joe had mentioned earlier in the podcast that. Uh, had Joe and Adam, there was this conflict that occurred on the very first project that, that we did. And this wasn't even a sold home. This was a spec home. You know, and Joe and Adam are fighting over with no a client. spec home. With no with client. No client. <laughs> conflict. So we learned. Little did you know there. what was up ahead. <laughs> right. Yep, we were living our first... best life right then. We had no idea. <laughs> so. We, we learned early on, okay, multiple ways to skin a cat. Here's how we're going to do this. Joe and I were both very capable people. We are Cardinal Crest homes, but there are going to be, there is going to be the Adam Cardinal Crest way, and then there's going to be the Joe Cardinal Crest way. And what I mean by that is we started um, accepting clients uh, based on Joe and I's capacity. 
So it was literally, you know, 50% of the clients that came in, Adam took care of and Adam built their home. He took them through the pre-com process, through the design of their house, <clears throat> through the production. And 50% was the Joe show kind of deal. And so when we started understanding that, hey, uh, we are getting too big, uh, we, we need to start hiring people, we learned very, very fast that we need to develop some systems. Uh, the Joe show was Joe awesome, and the Adam show was. <laughs> I needed some work. <laughs> needed some work. Um, so that you know, that's when we we definitely learned that uh, we need to have we need to have a division in roles and responsibilities between Joe and I, and we also need to identify those roles and responsibilities for our employees so that we can have a single Cardinal Crest experience for our clients. Something that's. Uh, Repeatable, consistent, I guess, is a better uh, word than, than repeatable. Um, and so we had to develop these systems. And, and it had to start, um, you know, from the very, very inception, from the leads, you know. Uh, how do we communicate with leads? What, what, uh, what is this email, you know, this very, this intro email that gets sent out to help? And what questions are we going to ask to, to help identify um, if this is a future potential client, if it's not kind of deal. And, and then it, it, it goes through every step of the way, right? It, it has to. Um, well, I think you bring up a good point that even like every company, I think, goes through this. And if they haven't, they just don't know it. That like, even if you don't have a business partner, but you hire a PM or a superintendent, if you don't have a system in place, that home is going to be built the superintendent's way unless you're going to be involved in every aspect. And then when you hire superintendent two, both those homes are going to be built a little differently. And, and so the, the, the system makes it a consistent, a consistent, you know, way of managing a consistent way of making money, a, a predictable process that then can be repeated multiple times and fine tuned. And then when things go awry, you can often go back and say, okay, did we follow the, the process? What went wrong? How do we get it back on the, on the rails again? And I, I think no matter who you are, if your business partners were not, that was Adam and I's you know, evolution uh, to systemizing way more things. Uh, I think every small business owner probably has that same process. Actually, what am I talking about? Great book. Pre uh, what is it called? I just quoted pretty much something about it. Uh, predictive. Oh, gosh. I should have, uh, hold on. Now I got to re find it. There's a great book. You look about for it, Joe, while well, you're looking for that and, and bring up that, that reference here in a second. But, you know, maybe for you, Adam, as he's looking that up, <clears> is that, <throat> you know, being that you're involved in the systems and flowchart, do you have a different flowchart and system process for the commercial side as opposed to residential? Because you're doing all in house and residential, I'd assume you're, maybe I'm wrong, but are you doing architecture and design on commercial too, or is that a whole different operation? Uh, a whole different operation. And, you know, I, I think that is a, it's a great question because, you know, uh, if our, our business as a whole, right, we have Cardinal Crest Residential, maybe like, why are you just happy with Cardinal Crest <laughs> Residential? Why do you have Cardinal <laughs> Crest Commercial? Um, why go through the why headache? Are you, why are you spreading yourself thin or, or why are you not just hyper-focusing on one? I, I think it is important for everyone to know these are they are completely separate entities. Um, you know, we 
our the staff on the residential side does not dabble in any of the commercial and the staff on the commercial side does not dabble in, in any of the residential um but like a kind of a cultivating a uh a, a culture within your company you know we have employees i'm going to refer to my employees as my colleagues because we as business owners we can learn so much from our colleagues um and and you learn your weaknesses very very quickly from them if you have if you have a culture and if you create an environment for them to voice feel comfortable voicing their opinions you will understand what systems and processes you need to implement um and so i, I think as business owners I, th I think that's the golden ticket right there is cultivating that environment where your colleagues your employees can and feel comfortable to make recommendations on how you as the owner can and should run your business um so a lot of the systems that that we have in place and a lot of the processes were colleague driven our, our employees came up you know the idea or or the the need was realized by our employees and it was our responsibility to listen to them and understand admit fault for for whatever it is if, if that's the right word to say but think okay i need to develop something you know so that i can create a successful process for my colleagues so they feel fulfilled and accomplished the book is called Predictable Success. It's a great book. And it actually goes through like the entrepreneur, like uh, first of like just trying to get sales and growing. And he talks about uh, it's uh, the process of, uh, of every business. It's a really great book. Anyway, that's right. But you had a question, Brad. Commercial processes are a lot different because we are hiring outside architecture. And those architectural firms typically have interior designers either in their firm or they hire somebody outside. And then we're using outside consultants like our MEP, um, mechanical electrical plumbing consultants. We have a civil engineer. Um, the, the projects are a lot different, um, but uh, at the same time, there is some overlapping processes that I, I would still say like the pre-con, there is still a, uh, I think it's made us, when I, I, I deal a lot on the commercial side, and the the pre-construction process on the commercial side um because we were so nitty-gritty and into the weeds on the the drawings on the home side now that i'm on you know i, I we, we have a process for the pre-con and the commercial side we follow that same kind of process we get schematic drawings from a a developer and we're off to the races about you know trying to get them pricing on just rough number rough order of magnitude on some of these drawings and say okay we know these are just schematic drawings we, if we send those to contractors typically they're going to be like these drawings are crap <laughs> is there something else coming and it's always like yes i i just had this conversation friday hey it's called a schematic design for a reason that's just it's just a little snapshot of what it's going to be so let's talk about what we see here and where this falls in pricing you know and they're always like Bull crap! I'm not going to be able to do that. And then I say, hey, don't worry. There's going to be a de development design set, and I'll have a little more detailed. And finally, you'll be able to actually bid a construction document or a permit set. And so, uh, I think we've just taken our same <laughs> detailed approach 
that we've used that that Adams, you know, uh, really created on the home side and said, okay, how do we take outside consultants and do the same approach in a very detailed orientated? Because on the commercial side, I don't really want we're trying to avoid hard bidding anything, and and you know, doing more of a GMP or, or cost plus where it's a more of a you know negotiated sum and say, okay, this is what we're going to charge, but we want to be in early at schematic design so we can start giving you value immediately and show you how you can get the best product at the best price. Um, and you know, you can decide what kind of, you know, uh, uh, finishes or different details you want, but we're going to be in it very early. Uh, so we, we can go through all the little details. Well, yeah, that design build, I mean, that's something you specialize in. So being involved early, I would imagine that would help to the design and budgets and everything else that, and it's really hard to create a hard budget, especially at a, you know, so early in the process. But you know, as you're speaking, Adam, it, you know, speaking of the processes, it's funny because um, one of my favorite quotes that I've is from Mike Tyson. Right, he says, "Everyone has a game plan to get punched in the face," and <laughs> and I think there's so many applications because that's like real life. You know, you think you have everything on script, or even your business, you think you have everything mapped out, and then you get punched in the face, and it's like, okay, well, now what? We're we're fighting now, so we got to figure this out, right? And and so there's the real world application. What I mean by that is asking your employees, I think, is a really important topic that you brought up. And and what I mean by that, I, I look at how our company's involved. And when, when I speak to our employees, especially if we have meetings and we're continuing to refine our process, is that what, you know, I have an interpretation, you know, I've, I've been in the field, right? I've been a superintendent. I've done this. You know, as you get farther away, there are things you for, not forget, but it's just not my day-to-day routine, right? So you, you tend to overlook that. But additionally, you know, there's other roles that I haven't done, maybe my project coordinator or my controller. And so they may have aspects saying, hey, Brad, on my scope of work, like this really isn't fitting or it's taking too much time or it's keeping me from performing this. And so that feedback is really important because that's allowed us to refine and and continue to evolve to say, and, and Jill said this early on, and you too, Adam, that as we have clients, listen, I know I have clients that, you know, some we've done an amazing job and some we had some work to do. And the reason being that we're, we're a company that's getting better every day and we're learning, but these processes are really important because now we can really understand roles and delegation and who's responsible for what that now is us, you know, to be less inefficient by that overlapping. Yeah. I love that quote. Totally. <clears throat> so I, yeah, from I, Adam and Joe, so, so how does that work now? Because I know you guys have an amazing company culture. I mean, just knowing you two and your personalities. How do you deal with, you know, not that you have had a ton, but how do you deal with turnover, with training, with hiring, you know, which tends to be a tough topic right now? I know. I mean, I, I think this whole thing has changed a little bit because even uh, when uh, you, we were emailing each other back and forth, just planning this, we actually had, I don't know when this podcast will actually come out, but. Um, I'm just going to say it. Is, uh, we had a key employee um, that I was talking to on the phone at 4.30 um, Friday evening. And then he ended up emailing us our resi- his resignation at 5. I got off the phone with him about 5.45 and 5.15. We got an email that he is now leaving. And uh, I, I, I talked to this guy, this individual every day. I, I had no idea. And, and honestly, it's making me question a lot about people's comfortability of talking to us and what people are willing to share and what they're not. And uh, it, uh, to tell you the truth, I'm, I'm just speaking from the hip here. I don't really have yeah. any lessons learned here yet because I'm learning them right now. I'm thinking, well, I didn't know him. 
I, I was talking to him every day. We were joking. We, we had a good relationship. I'd come in. I, he's one of the first <clears> people I would talk to every time I came to the office. And I was just, I, I was floored. And I still feel like, gosh, what, what did I do wrong? Like that I didn't know him. And I didn't know he was either that unhappy or uh, he was looking for that much more opportunity. And I, I, I think it's something that um, it, it's a hard thing right now because it, it's such a, I don't know what the word is, pandemic of resignations and people being, and people burn out. I mean, we've had a lot of burnout. My own brother, my own brother quit our business. I don't know if we, so my, my brother was a PM for us for seven years. And he, he, he quit six, four, three months ago. And so like, you know, things might, you might, it might look that we got our crap together here at Cardinal Press, but uh, it's a hard time right now. And people are getting burnt out. And uh, I feel like right now I'm scrambling. You know, Adam is too. We're scrambling to make sure our people are still covered and they're enjoying their life as much as they can because COVID and the, the problems it's caused and the inflation it, it, with the inflation that we're having now has worked itself through every industry. You know, first mm-hmm. it was uh, the medical industry, and then it became you know, different service industries, uh, you know, different uh, products that we needed. And now the building industry is seeing it, and it's at critical mass every day, all day. And the PMs are usually the, taking the brunt of it. Um, and truthfully, I don't... I, I don't know. I, I, it's a it's a lesson that I'm learning right now that um, I've got to be better. I've got to understand our employees more and their needs and wants. And I thought I was. Like Joe and I, you know, our company, it's been around for 11, almost 12 years. But 70, 80 percent of our staff are, are have been with us for three years or less. And so <clears throat> the whole idea of employees, I guess, you know, from a, a grand uh, scope uh, of things. It's relatively new. Um, and so that's something, I mean, it hits home right now. You know, Joe just explained what, what had just happened. And, you know, we are rethinking a lot and, and we are um, thinking of new ideas that, that we can uh, protect our employees, uh, make sure that they're not only that, like, we're creating like a fun environment, but that they are okay. Uh, with their families at home, make sure that we have a relationship with their wives or with their husbands, uh, with their children, you know, trying to take a, a better initiative to to be present, um, not only in the work life, but also outside of work. Um, you know, we, we do, I love every single one uh, of our colleagues, our employees, and we, we try and tell them, you know, you better be home or on your way home at five o'clock. And I, and I think that is a tough thing to say right now. But our guys, they're so good. They work so hard and they will work past six o'clock and they will work past seven. All, all the time. Sometimes. And you're like, go home, dude. Go be with your family, you know, because the bottom line, like, and, and I hate to say this, but the bottom line, it, it is just work. There are there are bigger things. In, in this life um, and your family's got to be number one. Well, there's and always so, another fire. Like that's the problem. Yeah. I don't mean this. There's always a, an emergency. And I, mm. we've been doing this long enough that you just always know there's always a client that's going to say like, and you know, for any clients who are listening to this, they're going to experience this. 
you're going to always feel like my, my house is on fire and I need all the attention right now. And it's, you, you learn that like, there's always another mountain to climb. And so you've got to set boundaries. And I think what we're having a challenge is, is having the right training and onboarding for our, for certain key employees like PMs to help them understand that because it's really hard for, I feel like Adam and I have got, gotten to that point that we know, Hey, I just got a nasty text that was really out of line. And that client's pissed. And early on in my career, I would call immediately. If it was 11 at night, I would call them and be like, let's talk. But now it's like, sorry, man. Or if I'm during a soccer game with my kids, it's like, sorry, my wife, my wife has given me enough laser eyes during the soccer games. I'm not <laughs> answering this. But our PMs are not there, and it's hard to train that. It's hard to 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 have an onboarding because that's kind of a that's a different skill. That's a soft skill that is if not learned, then you get client burnout. Like, uh, oh, not client, but PM burnout. Like we've seen, and and I and I just talking to other people. This is happening across the industry. I, I cut off Adam a lot. If you guys haven't noticed, so Adam, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he puts up with me. I cut him off. I don't feel that way. Don't worry. I do it all the time. I do not feel that way. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I mean, and and maybe not to get into specifics on the specific, you know, employee Joe, but um, you know, it's interesting. Even even as much as you communicate with someone, you know, there could be maybe a change of career path. It could be, you right. know, there's a lot of reasons why people are looking somewhere else, right? And, or, or maybe they may start their own business. It may not just be, hey. I'm not happy with Cardinal Crest. I'm going to do a horizontal move to a different, you know, right. builder, right? It, I mean, there's a lot of things to play into it, but I, but I think overall, some important points you bring up is, you know, just the, it, it's not that we're working in this, because I know it's easy when you go through social media and, hey, this next generation or whatever that, you know, they're soft or, you know, they haven't had to do it like our way, but, but there's a lot of that's not true. I mean, I see like a lot of our younger people that are extremely like, they work so hard. They're super bright. They're looking for different methods, right. especially something we need in construction. But what I found is that even outside of that, construction can, you know, this day and age with inflation and politics, and there's so much that, that strains us in different ways. And there's so, so many things pulling for our attention. And then when you have the client aspect at times, if we're not managing expectations or we may have a tough client, I mean, there's a lot of things that could be a perfect storm. Uh, but to your point, I think what's really important, important is that not just work hours, but I've seen with our team, I'm like, and this is important for me in the sales process and business development is to tell our clients, hey, if if it's an emergency or like the house has burned down, yes, call my super. But, you know, after 5 p.m., you know, on weeknights, weekends, you know, send that email Monday morning, right. maybe not Sunday afternoon, you know, that they're going to read and stress out. And it's probably from our team too. Don't open that email. Just wait, you know. So part of that is trying to figure out, well, how do we let them have that personal time to disengage because they do have to have that ability to recharge. So true. Well, and honestly, it kind of brings up this other subject. That's kind of like, it's kind of the elephant in the room for us. Like, and, and, and a lot of builders is that we've experienced a real slowdown in the last four months. And honestly though, uh, I think it's really needed. I, this market right now is unsustainable. Nobody will continue to be craftsmen in this market if this keeps on going the way it's going. And so uh, there needs to either be a slowdown to a time to build up. And that's the problem is that we had been building at such anemic levels for the last 10 years. And then we finally hit this you know, critical selling point two years ago. And now 
Uh, I think everyone's sticker shocked, inflation, uh, a little bit of uh, you know uh, recession fears if we're not already in one. But I I've literally looked at it and I've actually like after thinking about all the 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 pending problems that could occur in the next six months to a year, I'm really excited because I think things have to get back to where uh, subcontractors and GCs have a normal working relationship with each other. And it's not so much of, uh, you know, the sub will say, this is my price and this is how I'll do it. And this is when I'll show up and that's how it is. And, and, and clients also really can respect and, and kind of honor the craft. I feel like at this point, we've let them down so much because it's been so unpredictable that they, some, some clients have, have really, they, they know it's difficult. They will voice that it's difficult, but it's, it's still so unbelievably different than what it used to be that, uh, I mean, I think the slowdown is going to help reset a lot of things to back to normal. And, uh, even though I don't think pricing is going to get that great, I mean, there's a whole number of things we could talk about why, uh, I don't think it's good. There's no impending crash. And, uh, I don't want to get too much into the philosophies of Joe, but, uh, I do think a slowdown is well needed and welcomed so that we can enjoy this again and, and fall in love back with the craftsmanship and the craft of building a home and loving it and, and pleasing and actually hitting the mark, right? Like we, I know, all, you know, you're Brad, you're AFT and you, the, the company is what it is, is because you've delivered on what you've said so many times. This last year, if I if we built Cardinal Crest on our performance <laughs> this year, we would not be where we're at because we don't hit the mark. We don't like it. We don't hit the schedules. We don't hit the budget because it's changing all the time. And so like, it just, it can't go on this way. Or, or, or you're going to have to underpromise at such a dramatic level. Who's going to build with you? Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting. It's it's funny you say that because I think, you know, when you're speaking about that relationship, it's never, it's never healthy when there's there's not enough work and the GCs are pounding on the trade partners, and it's never healthy when there's too much work and the trade partners are kind of dictating, you know, whatever they want, right? Whatever terms they want, right? There has to be the happy medium, and I think that's that's healthy for the client, the builder the trade partner and the start, right? That everyone can kind of work in that world, um, which, which isn't always common, but you know, so, so on this podcast, I mean, we've dove into some of the very complex things, Cardinal Crest and just life. I mean, what do you guys do for fun? Cause there has to be some outlet, you know, just speaking about the <laughs> mental health. And I know you guys, you know, what do you do outside of work? Adam, I'm gonna let you decide <clears throat> this one. <laughs> what do I, what do we do outside of work? Um, as owners, there's not much to that. You're working all the time. I understand that, but but there has to be some outlet. Pickleball. Adam and I play pickleball at least oh, once a yeah. week with each other. We were on pickleball league. Uh, at, we and we play for a long time. We play for two hours at a time. And now I did just like bust my knee, and so now I have to like wear this knee brace, and that you know Adam laughs at me. But it's old age. I know that's right. Yeah. The the cool thing, uh, you know work is it, it's I, I think that is what is so exciting about the future for joe and i is because we do absolutely 100 percent love what we do um and and we we know within our market here in kansas city like we will be the best builder in this market and and that's 
always where we're striving to, to be is, is we want to be the best. And we know that our market is for the taking, you know, we, we can be, and that will always be our goal. And so like, we've got some fun, crazy, cool, big remodels on the pipeline that, that we're excited about. Um, we've got some new builds that we're excited about. And it, even though, you know, Joe had mentioned that, that there is, uh, you know, things have gotten a little bit slower. What we just need to remember is, you know, we are in charge of our destiny, right? We, we can still be selective on the jobs that, that we take on. Make sure that we are selecting the jobs that work for Cardinal Crest and our systems and processes. And we're excited for that. Um, there, there are still, ama- there's still amazing projects ahead that, that will come through this year and next year. And, and we're just stoked about it. You didn't want to answer the fun part though, Adam. I know. Hey, <laughs> I, I, I ran a half marathon on, on Saturday. Wow. Um, Adam signed up for a triathlon. I signed up for a half Ironman. Oh, half good for Ironman. you. So, and I'm yeah. going to be, uh, I'm going to be preparing for that. That'll be exciting for me. Adam is also a, an expert hunter. He, uh, Adam, <laughs> like hunting goes, and fishing. Adam goes like backcountry crazy hunting where like most people would be like, I need a guide. And somebody to like show me how to do that. Adam would be like the guy they drop into the middle of the wilderness with, you know, just like, uh, a, you know, a knife and some like flint and he'd figure it out and come out with a bear. So he's like, he, like Michael Scott in the office when he goes into the woods, you know? Yeah. <laughs> totally. No, Adam, no, truth be told, Adam is legit. Like I know we've had conversation. What's interesting, a funny story about Adam is, you know, I hate the cold. And when we're in Sun Valley, Idaho, and you're telling me that you like slept outside in the freezing cold just to see how long your body could take it <laughs> before you gave up. I'm like, who is this guy? Like Navy, that's, that's Navy a, SEAL in training, you know? That's oh, Adam. He, he, likes to, he likes to do that stuff. <laughs> no, no, and, and you know, Joe I, is incredibly musically talented. Oh, plays the more. guitar like a madman. He needs to start a band real soon. So anyone in Kansas City that's listening, <laughs> this guy needs a band to join. Um, he's incredibly talented at making Halloween decor. Oh, don't! It's I, incredible. I, uh, I, you know what, Brad? I think with your, with this question, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip over the Halloween uh, 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 tea up uh, there from uh, from Adam infatuation. Yeah, that I have. But I honestly like it's part of the uh, you brought it up early. Like I have, I think Adam and I both have really started to enjoy making like social media posts, reels and whatnot. Like it's become a, it, it, at first it was just like a joke and it wasn't like at all, like uh, it's funny how social media kind of grows into that. Like you, it's important and uh, it's something that we do a lot, but it wasn't like, we're going to do this to get a lot of followers or just get a lot. Uh, it was like, I would hear something that someone else would do on a reel and I'd be like, oh, that would be funny if we did it. And Adam and I would talk about that forever. Like we should, that'd be funny because that's just like this. And then we started doing them and then it became, you know, Adam and I usually take like a half, well, it's usually an hour to an hour and a half uh, once a week. And I will save a bunch of reels and I'll kind of write it out like, okay, I need Adam to do this and this. And then we'll get together and we'll be like, okay, that's stupid. Let's not do it that way. Let's do it this way. And it's fun. I mean, it's become a, I think it's become a creative outlet for both of us and a way to like, really i mean i i have fun doing it it's a i think and it's fun looking back and being like 
looking how big of idiots we are, I'm sure people look <laughs> at us and they're just like, what the heck? Our clients often laugh at it. I mean, I get texts from clients a lot like uh, that will joke about it because it is breaking the ice on some things. Like I talk about some sensitive subjects on there sometimes. Yeah. And I often think, oh, I just talked to this client about the price increase and I just joked about it in the real. How pissed are they going to be? <laughs> Well, I love that you shared that. So along those lines, I mean, what are your social media and, and uh, you know, handles there so that everyone can follow you? Uh, the, our, really our main one is just Cardinal Crest Casey um, uh, on Instagram. And we, I don't really do a, I, I haven't really gotten into TikTok. We have a TikTok, but I don't really use it very often. I, I'm mostly on, uh, we're mostly on, on Instagram. We have a Facebook as well, but. I'd follow us on there. We're, we're very active and engaging on, on that. And if you want to know more, even further down, we've got a lot of information on our website. You can find the links on uh, Instagram there. Well, Adam and Joe, you've been amazing. I mean, we've already pushed an hour and 20 minutes here and a ton of content, and we probably got through about three questions. So can't thank you <laughs> enough for making time. You guys have a wealth of information. It's been amazing to see your business grow. And just one little plug for you. It's kind of funny. I was just... um. So CBUSA, you know, it's a, a group of buyers and I was with them at a quick conference last week just for a day. And there's this builder who builds a lot in North Carolina. I mean, they're, they're in Raleigh. They're one of the bigger players in town. And they pulled me aside and they're like, do you follow these guys like Cardinal Crest? <laughs> and I was like, he's like, I love them. They're my favorite. Like, they're amazing. And I said, well, yeah, I know them pretty well. They're good guys. So <laughs> kind of a small world. So, and this guy's not, I mean, I think he has like five followers on Instagram. Like he's not even really on there, but he follows you. So kudos to you guys. So that's awesome. Cool. Those are the people I want to like, I want to know more about. Like, that's the only thing that, uh, not to dive, I know we're wrapping up people, but like one thing about social media that always like gets me and I'm like, man, it's always like, I want somehow to like unearth all these crazy builders that have so much experience that never share because they don't, they are too, you know, it's not in their nature and they don't understand that it's not bragging or anything. Like I want that guy, like, you know, I want him to like share everything because I, I feel like sometimes I'm just obnoxious and I and, uh, <laughs> share too much, but anyway. Not at all. Share more. Well, I can't thank you guys enough. I know you're, you're super busy, have a lot going on. So Joe and Adam, thank you. Thanks, Brad. It's been fun. Thanks, Brad. So thank you all for tuning into the podcast today. And just as a recap, if you check the show notes, they're just going to have all the links for the topics that we discuss. And also one of our favorite features now is the chapters that go through the conversation. So if there's certain topics you want to revisit or listen to, they're outlined by the time that we discuss those. And again, we can't thank you enough for all of your support. Please make sure and download our podcast, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review wherever you download your podcast.